You just finished undergrad, or you've been working for a while now and have decided to pursue a Master of Public Health degree. But what do you need to know before submitting your application, and how do you stand out? In this episode, we'll be sharing our experience to help guide you as you prepare your MPH applications. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health and global health, from the sustainable development goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogues about the diverse career opportunities that exist in the fields. My name is Gordon, your host for this episode, along with fellow co-host LaShawn. LaShawn, what's going on? Man, it's been an interesting couple of weeks Mm. at work, personal life, you know, just meeting people, meeting friends from high school, university, and catching up with people who I haven't spoken to or like interacted with for like over two years. So it's been fun. What about you? Yeah, things have been going well. Interesting at work. As far as we're concerned, we just found out that the vaccines are in Canada are authorized for use in children 5 to 11. So you can imagine working in a health unit, uh, things are a little bit hectic. So what, what, what sort of stuff do you, what sort of stuff do you have to do? Like once, like not necessarily just this news about vaccines being announced uh, for children, but what, what typically do you do when a big announcement's made all of a sudden? Yeah, the biggest thing is more on the communication knowledge translations and just basically how do we communicate to people that the vaccines are safe and effective yeah so i'm guessing you learn from like kind of your other approaches of targeting like the adult population but how how have some of that kind of differed for this other target population yeah right it's parents right so if if you're a parent and it's one thing to make a decision for yourself but parents are you know protective of their children so it's a different type of approach uh, that we would use. Not sure how well it's going to work, but it's a little bit sensitive when you're asking to vaccinate their, their children. Even though vaccines are common, there's a bunch of MMR vaccines that mm-hmm. you have to get uh, when, when children are at a young age. But something like COVID, where there's a perception that this was developed really fast, parents are, some parents are hesitant uh, for good reasons, right? Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's a very exciting and intense time for you then. Intense. So I wanted to ask you, in terms of PHI, because we, uh, PHI is our, our, one of our, the things that we're passionate about. So any updates, any exciting updates you want to share recently? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know where to start, but most recently, I guess, we've been, we had the opportunity to be guest lecturers at the Colorado School of Public Health to teach MPH classes. Myself, uh, you, Gordon, Linda, and Bindra had the chance to, you know, create this innovative case-based lecture focusing on harm reduction. And so it was very interesting working with you all to create this lecture and design it and learn from our experiences of doing it last year to kind of implement that and see how the students responded to that and the feedback they gave. And I mean, overall, I think people were really excited. We had a lot of participation. 
people were engaging in the topics. Mm. Gordon, you and myself love project management, so we got to incorporate a lot of mm. tools and techniques from uh, that aspect and domain, and incorporate that into public health practice. So that was very exciting. Well, what did you think? How do you, how do you think it went? Yeah, you know, like you said, the project management piece. We part of the the lesson plan. We incorporated uh, a class activity where we did some stakeholder and used some stakeholder analysis tools, uh, namely the stakeholder engagement assessment matrix. And uh, we also used the health equity impact assessment tool as a program evaluation tool as far as the needle exchange program that was outlined in the case that we presented. So that's, yeah, just to, to have some variety in a classroom, use different scenarios that uh, a student would go out and apply in the real world when they are employed. Mm -hmm. So we just wanted to make sure it was relevant to what they might be doing when they leave the classroom. No, for sure. And the interesting thing is all the people who are guest lecturing for that specific are practicing public health professionals. And so we kind of made it such that we were teaching them some of the stuff that we were doing in our different workspaces so that they do get this kind of cutting edge, practical skill set rather than learning about things that, you know, and as students, we often learn about things that we're like, what the heck is this? Like, when will I ever use it? And, you know, sometimes you don't use mm -hmm. it and that sucks, right? So we really mm -hmm. wanted to key in on that and understand what students could take away from it and apply it to multiple scenarios, not just within the context of harm reduction, but across the public health and global health spectrum. Of course. And if you can't tell by now, LaShawn and I are very passionate about supporting the next generation of uh, public health practitioners. And we, uh, we've we heard through the grapevine anyway that application season is approaching or is here. So part of what we want to do for this episode is just to talk about you know, preparing those applications and how to maximize your uh, MPH. Sounds Anything good. Anything you want to say about that, LaShawn? What about your... When you were applying for MPH, how did that go? Was it terrifying? It was. I mean, I think it's always kind of nerve-wracking when you're applying to any program, just wondering if, you know, you got everything you, you need to submit, whether it's the different components of that specific application, you know, whether uh, you have what it takes to actually get accepted or is this like a long shot, like a bunch of different things go through your head when you're applying and similar things went through my head when I was applying to the program at Western MPH, you know, there's different components that you need to make sure you hit different targets, whether it's GPA, etc. But, you know, I, it's, it's always, the thing I like to say is it's always nice to learn from other people's experiences. And that's kind of why we wanted to talk to talk about this topic today, because Gordon and I have both gone to this Western MPH program. And you know, we've chatted with other students, whether it's at the Colorado School of Public Health, you know, MPH programs, prospective students from India, the U.S., Argentina, Germany. Okay. And, you know, yeah, the U.K. as well. And we've gotten feedback and, you know, we've kind of compiled a list of common questions and concerns that individuals have. And we wanted to, you know, not just stop there and kind of hide that knowledge. We wanted to kind of share that with our audience because... These are questions we get emailed to us all the time. So we wanted to kind of put it all in a podcast and let you have access, access to it forever. Right. Yeah, completely agree. And on that note, you know, what are some of the 
if you're a prospective applicant or a prospective MPH student, what are some of those things that you should probably look into before you even start applying? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things you, you should look into. I mean, geographically speaking, do you want to stay within your like local area, your city, your country, or do you want to go abroad and explore different options that they have there? You could also think about different program styles, like, you know, whether it's in straight up a master's of public health program, or is it a master's of science in public health? Because there is a distinction. Gordon, do you, do you want to speak a bit more about that distinction? Yeah, I know from what we've heard from folks doing different types of programs, even some, there's so there's case uh, or course-based uh, masters, and there's some that are more thesis research-based. Uh, from what I'm told, there are some MPH programs that are thesis-based as well, but by and large, the the Master of Science in public health programs tend to be more on the thesis-based side. So mm-hmm. if yeah. you're into the research part of uh, public health, perhaps you would look into that kind of program if it's available. And if you're maybe into more of the applied practice side, maybe you look into more of an MPH. Mm-hmm. Uh, but today, uh, I believe you can still end up at the same place having done either one. So it's not a critical distinction, but if it's just from a pure ex- learning experience, right? If you enjoy learning about research, yeah. you know, maybe you look into MSc public health. And if you're more, how do I apply this tool and looking at cases, maybe you look more towards a... You, I like that you said that it's a more, pra- the MPH degree is a more practice-focused degree. And one of the main components that are usually found within those programs is a practicum placement where you would, you know, have like a three to four month or even sometimes longer period of time where you work at a public health or global health organization, putting the skills that you learned from the courses into practice. And so, Gordon, was that one of the reasons why you decided to do an MPH over an MSc in public health? (laughs) That's a good question. So... Earlier, we were talking about how you, how, what was, what was it like for you when you applied? For me, I had other plans, uh, didn't quite work out, and I was exploring avenues that I could take my career into. And I came, I remember a friend always telling me about public health. And when I looked into it, the application deadline was, in, was a week from when I realized that I was interested in doing it. So I just essentially, I didn't have too much time to think about case basis and that it's just it's like what is it life's like a box of chocolates you never know what you're gonna get so I was about that was my situation where I'm gonna apply I trusted my one friend who told me it was a good experience and I just went with that and it ended up being a good experience but yeah it's just it's it's one of those where I and I, and I went to western before so I I felt some sort of comfort and safety mm-hmm. in that and that was a program and that it would be recognized once you're you're finished. And that's another thing to consider as well. From my experience, I'm not too sure of any discrimination as far as Master of Public Health goes when, you know, depending on the credibility and the prestige of a school. But if that's something that's important to you, then it's important to you. So Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something to consider. And I know people make a big deal about, you know, the university rankings and MPH program rankings, but... You know, beyond that, at the end of the day, for me, what I think is most important is that you're feeling comfortable in a program that you think you can gain a lot out of to help advance your career. And I believe that you can make the best out of a situation in any case, depending on how you tailor that, of course. 
when I was applying to, so I applied to two. I applied to Western mm -hmm. and Brock University. Mm -hmm. I got into both. Brock was way cheaper, but fully online at the time, even before mm -hmm. COVID. And that was the second year I would have been in the second cohort of Brock. And I felt like there wasn't enough historical data to see how graduates perform. So that was a big factor, even though it was three times as expensive to go to Western. Mm -hmm. I felt comfortable knowing that students were able to get practicum, students were getting jobs and, and that sort of thing. But on the other hand, I also found out that the Brock program is more focused on professionals who've been working for years in the space and they just want to mm -hmm. enhance their sort of leadership skills, public health practice skills. So then they take a different type of applicant than a Western. Yeah. So those are some of the things to look into, like what level of experience do you need before you start a program? No, for sure. Like, I think you touched on amazing points of the, the cost aspect of it and kind of that, who is this program actually designed for? You don't necessarily, as in a recent graduate of undergrad, want to go into a, a program that's fully designed for mid to late career professionals because I think that right. you might feel lost at certain stages mm -hmm. because they expect you to apply your practical experiences from work. And I think, you know, maybe you could consider waiting a couple of years or maybe look elsewhere for a different program, like Gordon mentioned, like a Western MPH type program where they like having a mix of early career professionals, mid-career professionals and late career professionals, which actually, in my opinion, creates a really interesting and engaging environment. Agreed. And talk about some other differences like, you know, generalization yeah. and specialization. How important is that? How important of a role did that play in your DCH? Yeah, this is a question that we always get. And you know what? It depends. For example, if you, if you have background in public health and you know you want to do and focus on a specific area, like health policy, health promotion, epidemiology, and you, you are set on doing that and you know you want your career path to be aligned with one of those specific areas, then there are MPH programs available that allow you to specialize right off the bat and go into more in-depth into courses such as epidemiology, advanced methods in epidemiology, biostatistics, etc. right? They also do have some foundational courses. So you will be getting like your core courses in uh, social determinants of health and introduction to public health. So you will be getting those in those courses, but courses will be geared towards that specialization. Now, on the other hand, if you are like me, for example, and didn't really have a kind of specialization that I wanted to get into, then that's where you should start considering that generalization stream. So the program at Western MPH, for example, is a generalized program. They have, I think, 18 different courses across the spectrum of public health, whether it's social determinants of health, environmental science, epidemiology, uh, public health and computer science. These are all, and health economics, these are all a broad range of courses to really kind of introduce you to public health and then based on those courses, you could kind of decide, hey, I like environmental health and the public aspects related to that. I want to pursue, for example, my practicum placement in that area. Or after I graduate, now that I'm exposed to environmental health, I'm going to go down that stream. 
But before you went into the program, you wouldn't have known that because you weren't introduced to that specific aspect of public health. And that's kind of why I chose the general stream, because I really wanted to learn everything there was to public health and not kind of just push myself into a specialization before I knew what that specialization was. Now, with that in mind, even though you do a specialization, it does not exclude you from the fact to go on and pursue a specialization in epidemiology through your professional experiences or internships. So you can still go that route, but it's just mm. kind of a different route to go. Mm. So you're saying you can generalize and then kind of specialize mm -hmm. through actually working exactly. later, even though it, might, it may or may not be a little bit more difficult to break in, mm. but it's not the end of the world if you do it. Yeah, like in, in my case, I did a master's of public health that was generalized. And then I really enjoyed the global health aspects within that space. So then I went on to specialize in global health. So something similar to that is possible. You can just learn everything and then specialize after. But it, it really depends on your preferences. What was your situation like, Gordon? Did something similar happen to you? So my, the, the biggest factor for me, as you can tell from the two programs I applied to, was the duration of the mm -hmm. program. So I was more, I had been out of undergrad for four years. Yeah, about four years. And then I'd been working for that time. So when I was thinking about going back to school, I wasn't try. I, I was not excited about doing something that was two years or longer mm -hmm. because I, my goal was to get the training I yeah. needed to go into the workforce and, uh, as soon as possible. So I, for me, 12 month programs were the only option. And I, I'm, I'm aware that there is some a bit longer, 18 months, 24 months that might, for people who are not so much in a rush that they don't have to do an accelerated master's, that might be something that's, that's for them. But I think, yeah, it depends on what stage you are in your, your learning or your, your, your working career. And that might inform what, of, which of those options are more ideal for you. Yeah. And, and again... Oftentimes what you find is if you do that master's of science in public health and have that thesis and research-based component, it's probably going to take a bit longer because you have to do like data collection, you need to defend your thesis and all that preparation and hard work that goes into that aspect of that specific program. So that kind of extends the time you have to you know complete that and adds more mm -hmm. components. To Another thing that we should consider when talking about master of public health programs is this idea of accreditation. Mm -hmm. And one of the accreditations that come into mind when talking about public health MPH programs is the accreditation by the Council on Education for Public Health, CEF. That's a US-based council, right? Yeah, so yeah. what is that? Yeah, it's one of those accrediting bodies for public health where the public health programs are expected to meet a set of requirements, obviously learning requirements, ped mm -hmm. pedagogical setup, and they would essentially receive, there's a whole rigorous application process to by demonstrate, the program, right? by the program to demonstrate that yeah. their, the framework essentially is in line with what the expectations are, and then they would mm -hmm. get an accreditation. Now the question becomes: Why is this important? Why should why is this something people should be thinking of when they're applying? Yeah. So, like any sort of accreditation body, 
they want to create standardization and making sure that across different programs, whether it's in the U.S. or Canada or Mexico, the things that are being taught are consistent and evidence-based. So what this accreditation basically ensures is that there are certain competencies throughout the different courses that are taught that are in line with that standard or that framework. And so what you'll find with these accredited schools is they often have a list of competencies that they will make sure you will gain out of doing and completing the program. And a couple of important aspects to do that is that course component, that practicum component, and that knowledge synthesized activity, whether, and it could, it's different depending on the school. You could do a synthesis of a case. You could do a synthesis of all your learnings. You could do a synthesis based on your practical experience. And it's very much up to the specific program as to how they want to do that kind of final project component. But taking into consideration all three of these components, develop these competencies that are expected of any CEF accredited school. All right. So I'm in the process of looking for a program. I'm scrolling down the list to make sure everything's CEF accredited. And, you know, maybe is it safe to assume that the non-CEF accredited schools aren't good? Is that is that an assumption? Like what? Like why? Why is it important to the applicant to know if it's CEF accredited? How does that inform their decision? Or should it inform their decision? Yes and no. I think this this accreditation is just a good standardization across MPH programs. And in the United States, a bunch of different schools of public health have this accreditation. But that doesn't mean a school that doesn't have this accreditation is not a good school. So they maybe have different um, pedagogy or teaching mm-hmm. methods that they think are more useful and beneficial. Right. And that might that is true. That might be mm-hmm. true. Right? So it just... Right. It just depends on your situation. And one of the things that should be pointed out is many different doctoral programs in public health, they would actually require you graduating from some CEF accredited school just because it shows that that standard has been kept and met. So a lot of schools in the United States, like if you're looking into a doctor of public health program, DRPH, they would prefer that you went to one of these accredited schools. However, there are options if you weren't a graduate from one of these accredited schools. You could take additional courses to show that you have that knowledge. So there are kind of ways to make up for the fact that you didn't go for, to a CEF accredited school. But you know what? Not a lot of people are going to be pursuing doctoral degrees in public health. So if that's not a concern for you, then maybe maybe it doesn't matter so much. Hmm. So the key message there is if if you've already decided that you want to pursue something after an MPH, or if you want to have your options open, if you have access to a CEF accredited program, perhaps that's something you should put some thought into. Is that kind of what you're saying? However, it's not necessarily make or break. Yeah, I mean, you will learn all the necessary public health skills to be a very competent public health professional, I believe, either way. So, I mean... This accreditation basically is a seal, a stamp that ensures you will get that. And another thing as well, I in the States, they have a certification called Certified Public Health. Yeah, Certified Public Health Professional. It's the CPH. Yeah. And basically, that's a certification that you can apply for and write the exam for if you have done 
your MPH from one of these certified mm-hmm. or accredited schools. And that certification basically is another kind of stamp of, hey, I, I know what I have to know to be a very good public health professional in this field. And you are consistently committing yourself to doing modules and pursuing learning opportunities to keep that certification maintained. And that's mm-hmm. kind of another stamp of approval to make sure that everything that you learn is up to date. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our content and would like to stay up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. To learn more about our community initiatives and how you can support us, visit our website at thepublichealthinsight.com. Join the PHI community and let's make public health viral.